Welcome to the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. Way back, if you stop and think, way back in the 80s, there was a well-known comedian from Russia. His name was Yakov Smirnov. I don't know if you remember that or not, but his, his act was based on the idea that he was this naive immigrant uh, from the Soviet Union who was uh, perpetually confused but also delighted to be in the United States. Um, his humor would often mock what life was like under communism in comparison to the excess of consumerism in the United States. He, he often played off of words uh, that were misunderstandings of American phrases and culture. And his catchphrase, if you remember his catchphrase was, and I thought, what a country. That's what he would say in kind of different parts, but he once talked about going to the supermarket the first time that he was, for the first time when he was in the United States, he talked about going to the supermarket and all the different things they had filling the aisles of the grocery store. And he said, as I walked down the aisle, the first thing I noticed was powdered milk. You just add water and you get milk. And he said, and then I noticed powdered orange juice. You just add water and you get orange juice. And then I saw baby powder. (laughs) And I thought to myself, what a country. (laughs) It's funny because it's an exaggerated misunderstanding. But it makes me also think about how baptism is sometimes misunderstood. Take someone, just add water, and you get a Christian. In the Bible, there are some definite, clear words that are used in association with salvation. There are words that are used whenever the New Testament talks about being rescued, about being delivered, about being forgiven from our sins. Words that are used when we place faith in Christ. The Bible talks about how faith comes from hearing the gospel. Hearing the gospel and believing in who Jesus is and believing in what Jesus did. The Bible talks about repenting from our sins, changing our direction, turning away from sin and turning towards Jesus. The Bible talks about confessing, admitting our sin, admitting our guilt and owning up to the punishment that we deserve. And confessing also means declaring, confessing, acknowledging Jesus as Lord and Savior. And the Bible also talks about baptism in connection with salvation. So the question is, what is baptism? What is it and how does it connect with salvation? Historically, the Christian church has always taught baptism. It's always taught baptism. And that's because the New Testament makes it very, very clear that it was something that was done from the beginning of Christianity. But the exact method and the meaning for baptism often gets debated. 
Some churches baptize babies or infants. Some churches only baptize at the age of understanding. Some churches baptize by sprinkling water or pouring water. Some churches baptize by dipping or immersing someone in water. Some churches believe that baptism is just symbolism and not necessary. Some churches believe that baptism is is symbolism, but it's essential. Some churches believe that it's something done in obedience to demonstrate faith. Some churches believe that it's done in the moment, and it's the moment at which we receive grace. So we have all these different thoughts and different thinking regarding baptism. Most people who have any background with a church tend to believe and view baptism the way that their church understood baptism. But what does the Bible teach us? What does the Bible teach us and what does it show us in regards to baptism? Well, for one thing, in the Bible, baptism was always a response. It was always a decision. It was a response. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preached the first sermon, declaring Jesus as the Christ, as Lord and Savior. It's the first sermon declaring Jesus as as Christ, as Lord and Savior. And in Acts 2, verse 36 through 38, it says, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Can you see? It was a response Baptism was a a response. They learned about Jesus. They were cut to the heart. They asked, what do we do? And their response was to be baptized. In Acts chapter 8, a follower of Christ named Philip is told by an angel to approach an Ethiopian man who's riding in this chariot. The man's reading the scripture. He's reading some of the Old Testament scriptures. Philip uses those scriptures to teach him about Jesus And when the man learned about Jesus, he noticed some water, and he said, why shouldn't I be baptized? Baptism was his response. In Acts chapter 16, Paul's preaching to Christ to a group of women who are gathered at the river. One of them is named Lydia. And the scripture says that the Lord opened up her eyes, her heart to respond to Paul's message. And verse 15 says that she and her mem- the members of her household were baptized. Baptism was her response. And then in Acts 16 later, Paul and Silas are imprisoned for preaching Christ. An earthquake rattles the prison. The doors open, but Paul and Silas do not escape. The jailer comes in. He's so impressed and moved by what they've done, he asks to learn more. He says, what must I do to be saved? And they tell him to believe in the Lord Jesus. And then the scripture says that immediately he and his family were baptized. Do you notice a theme here? Do you notice a connection? Do you notice a similarity with all of this? Over and over again in the New Testament, after Jesus' death and resurrection... Whenever someone responded to the message of Christ, they were baptized. That's what people did in response to hearing who Jesus was. Have you ever heard someone invite someone 
to pray and ask Jesus to come into their heart and save them? Or maybe you've heard someone invite someone to pray the sinner's prayer. It's a prayer confessing sin and receiving Jesus into your life. That's actually very common today. And it might be very common, but it's not the example that the Bible gives us. That's not what the Bible shows us. It's not what the Bible teaches us as a response to the gospel. Is it acceptable? Does God give grace to people who pray those prayers? Well, if they have a proper understanding and they're genuine in that prayer, I would like to think that God does. I I know God knows our hearts. Uh, God knows our motives. God knows our intentions. And if we are earnestly and sincerely calling out in faith and choosing Jesus as Lord and Savior, I believe that God knows that and I believe that God accepts that. But... I do have to say that with some hesitancy. I have to say that with some uncertainty. Because it's not what the Bible teaches us. It's not what the Bible shows us. Does God honor that? Does God accept that? Does God give grace in response to that? I hope that he does, and I kind of think that he does, but I can only tell you what I know what the Bible teaches and shows. Whenever people in the New Testament heard the gospel and responded, they didn't raise their hand and pray a certain prayer. They repented and they were baptized. The sinner's prayer or asking Jesus into your heart, they're not in the Bible. But what we do see in the Bible is that when people decided to place their faith in Jesus... They were baptized. That was their response. Whenever someone heard the gospel, they learned who Jesus was, they learned what Jesus did, and they believed it, confessed their sin, confessed Jesus as Lord, repented, they were then baptized. So, here's the question. Is baptism necessary to be saved by God? Is baptism essential? Do you have to be baptized to be saved by God? Sometimes, even when people hear that question, it starts to make people a little uncertain, a little nervous. It kind of raises up a little, the hairs on the back of your neck a little bit. It's like, do we have to be baptized to be saved? Sometimes people get nervous about that question because if we say that it's essential, if we do say yes to that question, if we say yes, it's essential, it kind of sounds like we're saying that it's something we do in order to be saved. It kind of sounds like maybe we're saying that we earn salvation by being baptized. It kind of sounds like baptism achieves salvation for us. It kind of sounds like we're saying just add water and you have a Christian. And if that is what we mean, if that is what we mean when we ask that question, is baptism essential, then the answer is no. No, it's not. If that's how we're understanding that question. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 makes it very, very clear. 
For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The scripture is very clear. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Baptism is not something that you do to get salvation. And God can choose whoever God wants to save. God can save whoever he chooses to save, whether they've been baptized or not. God has all power and all authority. He can save whoever he chooses to save. There's actually a very interesting story told in Acts chapter 10. And I know the adult Sunday school class went over this a little bit this morning. The Apostle Peter is at the home of a Roman centurion named Cornelius. Cornelius was a God-fearing man, and he had a vision where an angel told him to send men to go find Peter and invite him to his home. And so Peter's there, and Cornelius invites him in to speak, and Peter shares the gospel with them. And here's what it says in Acts 10, verse 44 through 48. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of them being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. They are filled with the Holy Spirit before they're baptized. This does seem like, perhaps, an example in the Bible where some people were saved before baptism. But notice, notice, take real notice of what happens right then, right away. Peter tells them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. So they have this evidence of the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues. It seems as if the Holy Spirit has been given to them. They've been saved. They have been transferred from a non-Christian to a Christian. And they have the evidence of that. But then Peter says, get up and be baptized. Right away. You see, baptism is associated with salvation. Because in the New Testament, every time someone got saved, they got baptized. Every time someone got saved, they got baptized. It was almost like a simultaneous thing. And in every example, every example, they were baptized immediately. Today, in the present day church, people will place their faith in Christ and then sometimes wait and get baptized later. Or sometimes never get baptized. And that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not the example that the Bible gives us. In the Bible, whenever someone was making the decision to follow Christ, they would also, in that moment, as soon as possible, be baptized. You see, in the first century, confessing Christ as Lord and Savior and being baptized happened almost simultaneously. It was a packaged thing together. They made that decision together. But the action of baptism 
the act by itself is not what causes salvation. There's nothing magical, there's nothing supernatural about the physical waters of baptism. In 1 Peter, Peter writes about those who were saved in the ark. You remember the story of Noah's ark. God sent judgment upon the whole world with this massive flood. But Noah and his family, eight of them in total, were saved. They were saved by being in the ark that God had instructed Noah to build. And this is what Peter writes in 1 Peter 3, verse 20 through 21. He says, In it, in the ark, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter compared those that were saved in the ark, floating upon the water, to those being saved in the waters of baptism. This water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. It's not the waters of baptism that saves us. The water just washes away the dirt. Peter's talking about the symbolism. He's talking about what baptism represents. It's the pledge of a clear conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus. Baptism saves us only when it is done in faith, with faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Baptism without placing faith in Christ is just getting wet. Salvation is by grace, through faith in Christ. Baptism is the testimony, the declaration, the symbol of being united with Christ. In Romans 6, verse 3 through 5, it says, All of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. In the days of the New Testament, baptism was done by immersion. It was done, a person was submerged completely underwater. In fact, the actual Greek word used in the New Testament for baptism is the word immersion. Baptism is meant to represent a death and a resurrection. And think about it. Think about it. As you are immersed in baptism, for just a moment, your body imitates death. You close your eyes, you stop breathing, you are laid back and you are covered, buried with water. And then as you're raised from the water, your body imitates a resurrection. You raise up from the watery grave. You open your eyes and you breathe again. We are buried in baptism and we are raised to new life. We die to our sin, we die to our old self, and we are raised to new life in Christ. And that conversion does not happen by what we do. 
the power of that transformation is done by God. There was a movie many, many years ago called Regarding Henry. In the movie, Harrison Ford played a man by the name of Henry. He was dishonest. He was greedy. He cheated on his wife. He was so mean-spirited that his daughter was afraid of him. But one night he walked into a convenience store and interrupted a robbery in progress. And he ends up getting shot. And he dies. But only for a moment. The doctors are able to revive him. But the deprivation of oxygen wipes out his memory. And he has to relearn everything. And as he does, he learns and recognizes how horrible of a person he was. And he becomes a much better person. So Henry had to die in order to become a new man. And that is the truth that is right at the heart of the Christian faith. We cannot become a new person living in Christ unless we go through a death and a resurrection. Unless we die and are born again. Jesus once had a very prominent religious leader by the name of Nicodemus ask him about the kingdom of God. And Jesus said to him, no one will see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. When we say yes to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are born again. And in the Bible, whenever someone said yes to Jesus, they were baptized. When someone decided to put their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, they were baptized. There's not a single example, not one example in the New Testament after Jesus' death and resurrection where someone comes to faith in Christ and does not get baptized. There's not one example of it. Remember what I read in Ephesians. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I've said it a few times, I'll say it again. We are saved by grace, through faith, in Christ. It is a gift of God. But can I suggest something? Let me suggest. Whenever there's a gift, there's a moment when the gift is received. Let's just say, let's play an example out here. Let's just say that you want to give me $10,000. Because you are very generous and you're kind and you're nice. You want to give me $10,000. I didn't do anything to earn it. You just want to be generous. At some point, you'll give me that check, and I will accept it. But just because I accept it doesn't mean that you're less generous or less kind. And just because I accept it doesn't mean that it's no longer a gift. Accepting it doesn't change the fact that it's a gift. When I hold out my hand and receive that check, it's still a gift. When I deposit that check into my bank account, it is still a gift. You see, every gift that is given is also received. Baptism is not something we do. 
It's something we receive. Baptism is something done to represent receiving the gift of salvation. Remember in Acts chapter 2, when Peter first preached Jesus, the people heard the message, they wanted to know what to do. And in Acts 2.38, Peter tells them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And it says two things will happen, the forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit given. When you are saved, your sins are forgiven. When you are saved, God's Spirit is in your life. Have you heard the gospel? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, Lord and Savior? If you've confessed your sin, if you're repenting from it, if all of that is true, but you have not yet been baptized, I want you to consider making that decision. Because that's what the people in the Bible did when they said yes to Jesus. That's what they did. If we're saying yes to Jesus, if we've heard the gospel, we believe it, we've confessed and repenting from our sins, we need to be baptized to follow that example. When Saul, who later became the apostle Paul, when he first encountered Jesus, he chose to follow Jesus. And led by God, a man named Ananias comes to see him. And at that moment, this is what he said to Saul. He said, and now what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized, washing away your sins, calling on his name. If you've not been baptized, what are you waiting for? If you have been baptized, please talk about it with your family and with your friends. Talk with them mostly about faith in Christ about what it means to have Jesus as Lord and Savior. But you can start that conversation with them by talking about baptism. You could ask, have you been baptized? Have you ever thought about being baptized? Here's what it means to be baptized. Would you like to be baptized? Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate this podcast. May the Word of God be living and active in your life.